spectacular. The tourists stop and take photos, set up tripods and all sorts of things. But when you grow up with the Harris Hills, they're just the Harris Hills. It's no big deal. It's nothing. However, I think that's the way we can view the Bible. The Bible is an incredible book. It is an amazing book. It's impossible for the Bible to exist unless God had put it together himself. The Bible is intricately correct in every detail, despite many different authors and books and written across thousands of years. The books complement one another. The New Testament explains the Old Testament and vice versa. Every part of Scripture is about a person. Noah and his ark are history, but are also pictures of salvation that this person would bring. It's a picture language, although it was history as well. The sacrificial system is a t- teaching picture of he, of him, and, it is a point, and it's pointing to the ultimate sacrifice that this person was going to make. The tabernacle in the Old Testament tells us about him, the priesthood, and so on. Later, the temple. These show us God is too holy to approach. We need a high priest to enter the holy of holy places where God is. You couldn't just enter there. You had to be a high priest. This person that came, that that we're talking about today, Jesus, he came and fulfilled all that was required to satisfy God's wrath and justice. And he opened a way for us to be at one with God. We just prayed a wee while ago. We can just pray to God. We can reach up to God. We can talk to God at any point of our lives, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we can talk to God. That was impossible in the Old Testament way, in a sense. The curtain, when Jesus gave his sacrifice, the curtain of the Holy of Holies was open. It was torn open to signify a new way to God, a different way. Jesus' crucifixion was prophesied a thousand years before it happened in Psalm 22, verses 16 to 18. Before crucifixion was even thought of or invented or practiced. The Old Testament is full of Jesus. And many prophesy, some, some say there's as many prophecies as 300. And the probability of one person fulfilling even eight of them is something like, one in the power 10 to 17. Power 17. This is almost impossible. It's like getting a whole lot of letters cut out in a big pile and throwing them all up in the air and the land, and you've got the Encyclopedia Britannica when, you, when all the pieces land. It's as probable as that. The first prophecy in Genesis, in three, chapter 3 and verse 30, uh, 15 to her first parents telling us that one would come and basically undo what they had done. This was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1 verse 20 when an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Uh, Matthew, 1, Matthew 1 20. But as he considered these things, behold, 
an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to make Mary as your wife, and that which is conceived in her womb is from the Holy Spirit. There are many prophecies like this originating in the Old Testament with their fulfillment in the New Testament. If you go online, there's a, there's a table that shows 47 of them. Uh, the first one of them, Messiah born in Bethlehem, Micah chapter 5 verse 2, fulfilled in Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 and Luke chapter 2 verse 4 to 6. The Messiah rejected by his own people, Psalm 69 verse 8 and Isaiah 53 verse 3, fulfilled in John 1 11 and John 7 5. So you could, we could do this all day. Uh, it was prophesied that the Messiah would be mocked and ridiculed, forsaken by God, pray, that he would pray for his enemies, that he would be crucified, that he would rise again, that he would be resurrected, uh, that he would return. So the whole, of the, Old the whole of the New Testament is in the Old Testament. So without God, it is impossible to explain how this incredible book could possibly exist it must, you know, people often, I work with soldiers, as you know, and they're often saying to me, where's the proof for God? It's not that there's a lack of proof. There's tons of proof. The problem is people don't want to see it. People don't want to accept that the Bible is God's word. People don't want to accept that Jesus is the son of God. So I was just planning this morning on having some thoughts on the reading we had from Luke and perhaps if we have time, a little bit uh, on Matthew. And I wanted to start off with the shepherds. They were just going about their business. They weren't, as far as we can tell, expecting anything out of the ordinary. Like every other night, they were watching over the sheep, as always. It can be like that for us. We have no word of anything different going on. Jesus just working away as usual in life, in school or work or wherever. But in our hearts, maybe, just maybe, God is starting to work. We hear politicians talking about green shoots. Is there green shoots of God starting to appear in our heart and starting to gradually change us? We may be slowly, gently, gradually starting to hear I was talking in Dingwall a few weeks ago, and I was talking about hearing and understanding. Do we hear God? Do we understand what's been said? What is it we hear? The message we previously dismissed may be, coming, may be starting to become important. It may be starting to make sense. It may be starting to become personal. We could even be here today, and we've been dragged along. We've been forced along. It could be the case, but is God working in our hearts? Is God changing us? Is God working? The shepherds themselves in society were of the lower end of the spectrum, and in many ways they were outcasts. But God met with them through the angel, and he gave them the most important message there is anywhere. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a saviour who is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord, a saviour. That's exactly what we need. That's exactly what every human being needs. 
It's not more money or a bigger house or a better job. It's a saviour. That's what we need. That's what we all need. The world is awash with fake news. It's difficult to hear truth through all the noise of this world. Is it possible, is it actually possible to know what is truth? That was what Pilate said to Jesus scornfully. What is truth? But it is possible. These shepherds heard from an angel, and that's pretty dramatic. In fact, they were terrified. They were absolutely full of fear. And we often hear simply by coming to the word of God and believing it. People have road to Damascus conversions. They have gentle, gradual road to Emmaus conversions, if you like. Whether we gently believe or have a dramatic conversion, the following is true, as is in the case with the shepherds. They were afraid. They were afraid. And we can be afraid as well when we encounter God. And certainly as a, as a believer, when I think of eternity and what that could hold for us, it brings a sense of fear into your heart, a sense of foreboding even. Psalm number 111, verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. So, pray, so fear there and praise go together. If we have the fear of the Lord, it can only be as a result of some sort of encounter with him. There is no natural fear of God. An unnatural fear of God would probably be a better way to put it. This is how we start the Christian life. This is how it starts. This is how we live it. And this is how we end it in this world. We have this awe of this amazing God. It's the cry in our heart, Lord, have mercy on me. It's that cry in our heart. It's that cry in our heart for our fellow men. Have mercy on them. Have mercy on our politicians. Have mercy on my family. It's that cry in our hearts. It's mercy all the way for us. We will never get past needing mercy. We need mercy for every step of the journey that we are on. The shepherds received a message and did what they should do, and that is obey. Are we obeying? Are we hurrying off to find Jesus? Are we diligently searching out of our way? Are we going out of our way to pursue God? Are we coming to church? The Bible tells us if we search, we will find. It doesn't say we might find or if we search in a special way we find. It says if we search, we will find. If we choose to ignore the message, we may never hear it again. There is no promise that we'll be back in Greyfriars Church next week. There is no promise that we'll have another opportunity. Uh, the Bible is very, very clear about that. And it is very, very serious to reject God or to ignore his message. The angel. Angel means messenger. The message of the angel. This was the Messiah waited for. The one all scripture talked about. Israel expected a delivery that would make them great in the here and now. That's what they were expecting. And the disciples themselves 
in many ways, were expecting something similar. They were expecting another land flowing with milk and honey. The act of your delivery is way beyond the here and now, and it has eternal perfection at its end. The Messiah opens a way to God that is glorious beyond our thinking. To know God, and not just to know him, but to become part of his family, to reign with him, to be part of this incredible future that we cannot even begin to imagine. When Israel were in their heyday, life was still full of trouble. When they were in the promised land, life was still full of trouble, not least with God himself, as they disobeyed God and went their own way. The deliverance of the Messiah the Saviour, takes away all our sins. This is our big problem. It's our sin. That's what needs to be solved. In the world to come, in this new land, in this new promised land, we will be sin-free and there will never again be an invasion by a foreign army or even the devil himself will not invade that land uh, and that world that he has prepared The angel's message, his message, is for all nations, as promised to their father Abraham, that all nations of the world shall be blessed, Genesis 22, 18. The promise made when Abraham obeyed in offering Isaac. Obedience is the best course, no matter how extreme the task ahead is. If you can imagine Abraham's position... We all love our children. We love our children very much. And if we were asked to do what Abraham was asked to do, what a situation to be in. But he obeyed. God often takes us to places where only he can deliver us and give us a way out. And that message that went to Abraham, it's for all of us. It's for all of us here today. It's for everyone. That there is a... a, Jesus himself was strengthened by an angel, and and that's incredible. He bore the weight, the weight he bore needed extraordinary help. There was no ram for for, uh, Jesus caught in a thicket like there was for Abraham. God delivered Abraham from the pain, the anguish that he was in. The place Jesus was going, the cross, was utter darkness, a place, thank God, that we will never go to. But what he went to was utter darkness. But he was determined to do the will of the Father, and and he did that for the joy set before him. The sins of the world will be placed on the soul of this baby that will grow into the sin-bearer. He was fully human, and and grows up like any other child, but without sin. Like us, he learned through Scripture. We learn through Scripture. That's how we learn. We learn by being in church. We learn by living out our Christian lives in this world. We learn through Jesus and his word and his spirit. We are sanctified by his word and his spirit. The angel, the messenger, brought the best news. Likewise, we, if we are saved, have the best news to share with our fellow men. 
We in the New Testament age have the Spirit. We don't have a curtain. We don't have a high priest. We have the Holy Spirit. John 7.38 tells us, We have rivers of living water flowing from our hearts. The Spirit and the Word come to us, and we bring it to others. That's our job, is to bring it to others. We are not alone as we speak. The Spirit will give words and opportunities. In some ways, it's easier to talk and witness for Jesus than it is not to. Because when we don't, we're full of regret and full of remorse. I remember I was on a bus one day, and this is a big regret in my life. I was on a bus one day, and I felt that I should go and tell this person that was a few seats down about Jesus. And I didn't. I didn't do it. And he died two days later. And that's fearful. Fearful for him and fearful for me. But it's probably easier to speak. And a blessing comes when we speak. Blessing comes when we speak for Jesus, when we do his will, when we tell others about him. The heavenly host. What an event this must have been, to see heaven on earth. This is one of the the first things that struck me as a new Christian. I was reading the Bible and I was reading these verses. And it just struck me, what must it have been like to see a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. What a blessing these uh, shepherds got. When we think about Moses and Mount Sinai and the law, it was quite different to that. The fire and thunder was so terrifying that the people wanted it to stop. They wanted God to deal directly with Moses. The message of the law of God, if we are on the wrong side of it, is unbearable. Of course, by nature, we are all on the wrong side of it. Every one of us are on the wrong side of it until we come to Jesus. The law is a big problem we all have and need deliverance from. Because very simply, we break it at every point of our lives and every decision we make. But here the heavenly host is bringing a message of grace. God's grace is undeserved favor to mankind. The child in the manger is going to bring the ultimate glory to God by his life and death. He will bring peace between God and man. The law so terrifying and unbending will be fulfilled by the Savior for us. This is the things angels desire to look into in 1 Peter 12. Glory to God in the highest is what they are giving, giving because of, on earth there is peace. Being prepared for those with whom God is pleased, as the verse said. God is pleased with those who are pleased with him. Uh, those who are pleased with Jesus. By nature, we despise and reject Jesus. Isaiah 53, and he has no formal comeliness in Isaiah 52. Sorry, 53, verse 2. When we have a new heart, we are like the angels. We desire to look into these things. Is church exciting? Is it exciting to be in God's house? Is it your favorite place? Do we love the word, his people, his house? 
Do we love praying to God, fellowshipping with God, hearing from God? When we pray, are we enjoying his blessing as we pray? Do we love to speak about him? Are we challenged by his truth? The person that isn't pleasing to God has none of these things. None of these things exist in the heart of a person that isn't pleasing to God. They are only, full, they are only eager to fulfill the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. They are only interested in this world, the here and now. They have no interest whatsoever in the heavenly host and their message of peace and goodwill from God to man. As I do my work as a scripture reader, every single day of life I am confronted with staggering, total, utter indifference to the message of God. Even when you explain heaven and hell, it makes no difference whatsoever to them. So are you without God today here? His answers often, like the heavenly host, come suddenly. God is real. The host is real. You may be here not believing any of this, but what if it's true? What if everything I said about the Bible today is true? What if that's the case for us? It's a choice we are consciously making to either reject it or to accept it. And just a final few thoughts on the Magi who were mentioned in, in Matthew chapter 2. Uh, that we, we didn't read that, but we, we'll mention them. The Magi, they brought the only true response to Jesus. There's only one real response to Jesus that's positive. And they worshipped him and brought him gifts. That's what they did. They worshipped him and brought him gifts. Like them, we can worship. My heart's desire is for all of us here today to worship God, to rejoice, to praise, to give thanks to God. The only true worship is in spirit and in truth with all our hearts. If we are almost wholehearted, then we're not, we're not there. We need to be wholehearted about God. False worship is legalism, obeying rules, making our own way to God, trying to please him by working our way to heaven, by trying to get up to his level from our level. And there is no joy whatsoever in legalism. It's all dry as dust and hard as stone. So with all of that, he came down, Jesus came down to our level to bring us up to his level. We cannot reach up to him. It's impossible. Our gift to him is our whole being and forever. Every area of our lives must fall under his rule. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. When we encounter heaven, whether dramatically or quietly, the result is we give our all. We give our all. We cannot keep a wee corner for this sin and a wee corner for that sin. We need to forsake all sin. And we do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. But of course the paradox is that we're still sinners and we still commit sins, but we don't practice sin as a lifestyle choice. We don't know much about the Magi, but what we do know is they went out of their way 
to meet Jesus. We have an opportunity to meet him on Sundays and Wednesdays here at Greyfriars. As I said in my prayer at the start, how many people in the world today would love to sit in this building and worship God? Do we go out of our way to worship God? Is it a chore? Is it too much for us to come to the prayer meeting? Is it too much to pray at the prayer meeting? He is with us every day of our lives. He is in our hearts. He is part of our lives. He leads us. He directs us. He keeps us. Help us Lord, help us to, to reach to God in the sense that we do what he wants, him to do, what he wants us to do. So just in conclusion, I'm really glad that Jesus was born into this sad world. It was sad for him. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was born to die so that we can be delivered from hardship and pain to a perfect world. It's all about a perfect world that's going to be, that's going to be instead of this world. It's going to be a different world. Surely that means that we give our all to Jesus now as we go through this life. Amen. Thank you very much for listening.